Welcome to the show. Paul George here discussing all things art of living with my main man, Adam Conk. Main man? That's new. Is that new? No, not the phrase, but that you would call me such a thing. Yeah, I didn't mean it, actually. I feel, oh, well, I felt so good, but now I just, I don't feel bad. I just felt yeah. No, 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 you are a main man. I don't know if you're my main man, so I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Like, I get you. But you are a, a main man. Thanks, man. Yeah, and and we keep talking about the beard, but it, it's just... It just grabs you. The art of manliness. <laughs> it just grabs Definitely, you. But for your age, you got a little gray in there. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, my eighth child is due in a couple months, and I, you know, I'll give it to that. Yeah, but you're still in your 30s. You got gray. Oh, yeah, but... I like it. Right. It lets you know, like, hey, I'm young and hip and cool and stuff, but I've lived a little. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. You got some years on those tires, man. I'm not hip and cool at all. (laughs) I never have been. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. At least you know yourself. Have you ever been hip and cool? Uh, I would say cool, but not hip. I don't know. I don't know what hip means. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not much of a hip person. I have in mind this, like, jazz lounge and, like, Snapping your fingers. I don't know. When oh, I think of hip, hip, I think of like hipsters, you know. Oh, okay. Hippies. Yeah. Hippies. Um, <laughs> You're hip. <laughs> so I'm getting to the age where when I think of the word hip, I actually think, yeah, my Do I need surgery or not? does hurt. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, man, good to be with you. Yeah, great uh, to So be with I got a question for you. Oh. Um, hey, you have any fears in life? I've thought about this. Uh, yeah. Natural fears, you know. Oh, like kind of surfacey level? Or both. Both like internal fears, external fears. Yeah, I, I guess interiorly would be I fear letting people that love me down. Hmm. Exteriorly, huh, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that one actually. Really? I mean, obviously, for example, I remember driving in my 12-passenger van to Colorado with my family on vacation and we had to go up this really steep mountain because we saw a sign, hey, cave tour. And I'm like, That's right us. on. That's Why us. not? But Let's... they didn't say, you know, scariest ride of your life up and down <laughs> to get there. <laughs> but, I mean, it was amazing. It's when you're praying for guardrails to be on the side of the road, huh? <laughs> well, there was this road that was literally one vehicle wide, and I knew people were coming down the same road. And, and your, your van is about van. the size of two vehicles. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that, that was a fearful situation. So, yeah. stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. What about you? I'm definitely afraid of heights. Certainly, mm. something that's never gone away. It's maybe gotten better, but I actually hate flying. Like I'm, really? I'm a little bit fearful of flying, and I do fly a lot. Do you go through like all the scenarios in your mind when the first turbulence hits? You're like, oh, yeah, gosh. I'm a scenario creator. Mm-hmm. It's it's not good for you. No, it, it's not a good recipe. No, you know, creating s- scenarios in your mind. But I think it's it's a personality. It's just how my my mind works differently than other people. You know, like. You know, I'll be on a plane with with my wife Gretchen, and we'll hit turbulence, and I, I'm automatically thinking the worst. And she's like, "That was fun," and I'm like, "Those are completely <laughs> like different. a roller coaster." Yeah, like a roller coaster. Um, yeah. Uh, internally, I think I've you know a little bit of fear of, um, you know, you, you know, you said letting people down. I think we all have fears, internal fears. It's hard to oftentimes put words. Mm-hmm. You know, to those fears. Um, well, the only reason I can say that readily is I happened to go through in this past spring a lot of reflection on that and yeah. and searching. So, yeah, yeah. I I think I'm I'm fearful oftentimes of dropping responsibility. Mm. I think I think I can I can be a little over responsible. 
to the point where it's probably too burdensome, you know, so I've learned, you know, my, my fear is, you know, in a sense letting people down, but, but taking on responsibility that's not mine and then not coming through with it, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in the manner, you know, failure, I think oftentimes is a fear we all struggle with, um, inadequacy, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that be in work or in our spiritual life, inadequacy, or in our marriage and our vocation, like, am I enough? Is this good enough? Am I doing good enough? Do I even know what I'm doing? You know, Mm -hmm. those types of fears. So I think a lot of times in life, like we don't push through to the other side of what's there because we kind of hit these walls of fears because we don't know if we can do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, it's and, intimidating. Well, and we can get to points in our life where we think we've solved this problem. That's not really how fear works, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, if you're afraid of heights, hey, work up to the point where you can go up a ladder and then jump out of a plane. And then between now and then, all these baby steps, and then you'll be over it. But these fears of inadequacy or failure, it's not like they go away. Right. But in the presence of Christ, they become not burdensome. And when we disconnect from him, then they come back. They creep back, right? Yeah. So let me ask you another question. I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh, yeah. Um, Love it. So have you ever um, doubted anything? Doubted like? Doubted yourself. Doubt um, that you could do something. Even doubt something in your, in your faith life. Doubt God, you know, in the spiritual life. I would I probably wouldn't use the word doubt because I think they're they're connected a little bit. And I probably wouldn't use the word doubt just because I've found that the greatest blessing I've been given in life is my parents and the way they raised me. To be right. honest with you, yeah, yeah. Um, now, was it perfect? No, but there was such a and people say this about my family, and I didn't know any different. But there's such an acceptance mm. of everybody. And, a, and an emphasis on family that the question of, am I good enough? Um, do I believe something to be true? How do I know it's true? I grew up in a home where the truth was always obvious. And I never felt like I needed to be anything different to be loved by anybody. Right. And so that was just my life. And I didn't think that was different. And I'm realizing as an adult that that's not everybody's situation. Yeah, everybody's different. And it's so it's the greatest blessing I've been given. So I wouldn't say the word doubt, but I would say uh, discouragement and despair often sometimes will creep in to where like I know it's true. I know in the end God wins and I know he loves me. But this situation is saddening. Right. For example, right now in the church, there's been yep. many temptations to say, I know the Lord's in charge. I know in the end we'll all be in heaven happy forever. But this situation seems out of control and unmanageable. Yeah. And why is it? Yes, yeah, so I, I think the word despair is a good one. It, you can connect it to doubt. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's the these different emotions that we feel in life. I think oftentimes we feel bad because we feel these emotions, whether it be fear or doubt. And mm-hmm. I was reading that one of the great saints, and I should probably look it up, um, said, you know, w- one of the greatest obstacles to holiness is worry. Mm. You know, so when I think of fear and doubt and worry and you know, all the, they're all connected. They're all intertwined, but they're definitely normal human emotions. Oh, yeah. I think if someone, if you ever talked to someone and said, I've never doubted, I've never been discouraged, mm-hmm. I've never been fearful, I, I would question that person, you know, whether or not they're like sane. Mm-hmm. You know, because the, the human element, who we are as humans is those are normal emotions and feelings and things that we deal and face in life. None of us are void of, of facing fear, of 
experiencing fear, experiencing doubt or discouragement or despair or stress or worry or anxiety. Like, like oftentimes we're like, because we feel those things and think those things and experience those things, we oftentimes think, well, something must be wrong with me. Something must be going on. So, yeah, and that's not, wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's not the case. But here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to get into it because doubt is mentioned in the Bible. And so we come back. No doubt. Yeah. We're going to break this open and we're going to, we're going to dive into it. I think we got some good things Ooh. to say, not us, but God does. And he's always got the better news than we do. So it's Paul George, Adam Conk, talking in Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George here with Adam Conk in the studio making radio and podcast magic. Magic. Can't well, believe your eyes oh, or your it's ears. magic. Okay, so um, serious radio, like the satellite radio. Oh. Okay, so this is a new thing for me. Now, I know if it's, it's existed, but if you don't have it in your car, then it's not something that you use. Right, and since you don't use it, you really don't understand it or how it works. Or, right. I, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. But I have it. Yeah, you and, have it. Yeah, I, I just got it. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know how, but it, there's a button that I found <laughs> on the radio that oppresses, like, oh, this I is, catch. This is big news. Serious channels. Yeah. Okay, so can I just make a confession here? <gasps> I can't give you So you, can, you know, you can program channels, you know, like stations on the radio where you can program stations and serious radio whatever there is a 24 hour that's that's a full day and mm-hmm. then and then it and then it loops around to the next day 24 hour 80s station that's like paul george magic <laughs> it is like honestly like any day that's going south Boom, I just hit that button. I could see you driving home just waiting in the driveway and Gretchen's like, "Where's Paul?" And you're just in your in your truck listening to your <laughs> station. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. All right, so I want to read you the scripture and those of you guys who uh, um are listening. So we're getting in this conversation about that and and here's where it picks up in the Bible. And every time I read this scripture, Adam, it like it pops out to me and there's something about it that makes me intrigued not only with this story in the scripture but it, it it taps into my humanness because i definitely do i i experience this in my own mm-hmm. life and so it says uh matthew 28 verse 16 it says now the 11 disciples went to galilee okay so this is post uh you know crucifixion post resurrection uh jesus has has risen and he spent time with the disciples and so this is right before jesus is ascending into heaven so there's all this going on right it says now when the 11 disciples went to galilee uh to the mountain in which jesus had directed them so i think this is great like these are all just good men good people good disciples um jesus tells them to show up somewhere and they show up mm-hmm. all right it sounds like christians yeah 
Sounds like Catholics. They're doing what they're you know, doing. Just show up. Also show sounds up like a Sunday. crazy time in the church with not a lot of answers. You know, it sounds familiar. Yeah. So, so, so they show up because Jesus told them to. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times in our faith, like we just show up because we're supposed to, uh, we're obligated to. We go to mass. We we check in and out, and uh, we do all the things that we're obligated to do. And and I'm not saying that they were doing obligation, but they definitely says they just showed up. They didn't know what else to do. They didn't know what else to do. <laughs> so they're looking for more answers. And I, I guess there's there's some things stirring on because Jesus keeps telling them, all right, to put this in context, that I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to leave. And I can't imagine, like, the emotion that they're feeling is because they've already, they, they walked with him for three years. You know, uh, some theologians say some of the disciples knew Jesus before his public ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's theological speculation on who, what, when, and how. But we know that for three years they spent time with him. Then they experienced his his death, which was horrific, right? That the guy that they were following, who they finally come to believe is God, dies on a cross, and so they're completely and totally devastated. And then three days later, the tomb's empty. He rises, appears to them, right? And you know they're punching holes through him, and he's real, and all these things are happening. Okay, and then they spend another you know forty days, whatever, post resurrection. All right, so so imagine the up and down emotions of all this is, that's going on. Gosh, okay. yeah. So then he says, "Hey, show up." But I know I've been saying I'm leaving, and they're, they're probably <laughs> thinking he's not going to do that. He's not going to leave us, but he is. And he says, "So they showed up where Jesus had directed them, and now when they saw him, okay, check this out. They saw him. It says they worshipped him, comma, but they doubted. Mm. And when that line comes out, it just hits me every time." Because here were, the, here were the disciples who experienced all the life of Jesus with him. And then they saw him, they worshipped him. Uh, you know, in the word worship, we look at that word, uh, you know, translate to the word adore, adoration. Uh, the highest form of worship, what we put worth in, what we look to as the apex of our life. Like we could worship anything. I can worship this microphone. Um, I can worship my, myself, my life. I can worship money. When we worship something, we're saying that that thing is the thing that's the very apex of what we put our stock into. Mm-hmm. Okay, the center of our life. Yeah. It's the center of our being. Mm-hmm. So they worshipped him, but it says that they doubted at the same time. And what what it says that it's like there's part of me that's like really, and there's a part of me that kind of exhales and says, so they were human too, mm-hmm. even in that moment. Yeah, even in that moment. Yeah, yeah. I remember my uh, my son Thomas. He's always asked the tough questions since he was little. I remember when he was six years old, all right? I bring him to uh, this banquet Catholic thing. You know, there's a bunch of seminarians there, and they're sharing their stories of vocational discernment or whatever. And on the way home, it's like, I, I'm not really sure there is a God. It seems like it might be make-believe, and I'm not, you know. It's like he expresses doubt at six years old, right? Yeah, right. So... And I'm not freaking out because I've taught high schoolers before and like nothing phases me, right? Right. But I am discerning like, okay, well, what's, what does Thomas need to hear? You know? And I dig a little more and I realize that really what Thomas he, was having doubt. <laughs> exactly. I realized what really what was happening was that he wasn't, he was confusing the certitude of certain knowledge. Like I can see it, I can touch it, I can, you know, scientific method stuff with the certitude of faith. Right. And I realize that this is a constant temptation for us is that we're not asked to worship God 
because of a scientific certitude in him. Right. Or a certitude that there's absolutely no unshakable thing left unturned. And this is where Thomas was. So I explained to him the difference. And for a six-year-old, it's easy to snap out of that. Like, oh, well, that makes sense. And then, okay. But for adults, <clears throat> if we're ingrained in staking our life, like you said, on that which we know to be certain in a certain way, but are not used to putting our life through the certitude of faith, then we're not going to get very far in our, in our following of Jesus Christ. Because most of the things he's actually going to ask us to do require the certitude of faith, which can sometimes really go beyond all the other certitudes in our life, like financially, uh, security, um, even logically. Like, this all makes sense to me. Right. The Lord will call us through faith to put everything in him not that that's against the other certitudes, but it's not required. It's not required to follow Jesus and worship him to have no doubt or no concerns like, I don't understand. In fact, the strongest disciples follow him in those circumstances. Yes. And I think that's often the time that we feel like, oh, I'm, there must be something wrong with me. I must not have faith. I don't deserve to, to be a Christian or Catholic or to worship God because I doubt right? Mm -hmm. uh, I have fear, have worry. And, you know, in the Catechism, paragraph 2097, it says the worship of the one God, okay, worship of the one God sets man free from what? Turning in on himself, mm -hmm. right? So, so when we no longer look to God and we look to ourselves for the answers, that's, that's when, that's when we begin to sin. That's when we begin to fall away. But worship is just turning to God. It's turning everything to God. Mm -hmm. Our lack of faith, our doubt, our fears, our anxieties, our worries, all those things. Worship is not, like you said, it's not excluding those, those human things that we face. It's actually taking those things and placing it in God's hands. That's authentic worship. It's putting mm -hmm. our faith and trust. It's saying, God, I know... I know right now I don't feel like you're going to come through, uh, but you're going to come through. Yeah, and that's what children do. He says to have faith like a child. Like, my child does not understand when I say, hey, come see, right? Like, hey, Ann, who's three, hey, Ann, come see. She doesn't know why I'm calling her. She has no idea what I have in mind, if she's going to like it or not like it. She doesn't understand any of that, but she comes because I called. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. So I was looking this up. The word doubt uh, in the Latin dubitere means to question, to hesitate, mm -hmm. to waver. Now, you're not human if you've never questioned, mm -hmm. hesitated, or wavered in your decision or in your faith life. Okay, so when the disciples are worshiped and they doubt, it's like, okay, what's going on? Like, we have questions. We have some fears. We're... We're a little worried, and it goes on to say it's it's actually the word, which is kind of cool, it's related to the word dubious uh, from the word duo, which means two. Mm. Okay, so you follow me. Uh, with a sense of two minds, undecided between two things. Mm -hmm. Like that's doubt. Like So if we were to drill down in what doubt is, it's, 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 our, it's our indecision between two things. It, it's our heart split. Okay, so if we're going to really get back to the, why they were there it says they worship and they're doubted worship is taking all of ourselves and just placing it in god's hands but there are times many times in our lives where we're, we're a little bit split you know we have one foot in we have one foot out 
you know, our mind is one place worrying about all these things that's ahead, and yet we're trying to look to God for the answers, right? This this is, I think, the spiritual life, the, the human struggle. Absolutely. And it's the struggle that produces champions, and that's the thing. Like, saints aren't people who found prayer <clears throat> and discernment and discipleship easy. No. <laughs> that's not who they are. I think that's a lot of times <laughs> the, the misconceptions. Like, and we don't identify saints by looking around a room and say, who finds it's the easiest to read and understand, to pray? Like, who's really good at that? You must be a saint. Right. That's not how it works at all. No. The struggle to worship God and stay faithful to Him is what produces the fruit of holiness. Yes. Absolutely. So, disciples showed up. I'm like, like that's the first step. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they showed up because Jesus told them. And, and our faith life... And in life in general, in our vocation, like that's the first step to show up. And a lot of times, like I, like I talk to men or to even dads, and they're struggling in their marriage, or they're wondering if they're doing okay, or if they're wondering if they're being a good father or husband, or a wife's being a good mom or a, a, a good wife. And the first step is just to show up, like to show up every day. Like, that's what the disciples did. They showed up. And, like, even when we doubt, you show up. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're doubting God, you're struggling, your faith, you show up at Mass. You show up to receive the Eucharist. You show up for confession. You show up for prayer. You show up to your wife. You show up for your kids. Even when you feel like you're struggling, you have all these things going on. Like, the first step is just, okay, Lord, we're going to show up where you told us to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like mm-hmm. that's just, that. that's something that I can I can do. I could show up. Yeah. Right? But I think I think where a lot of us mess up is to define what showing up means. So, like for example, for them it was defined by Jesus called them together mm-hmm. before He was ascending. Right. Okay, Jesus, I'm here. And if we don't have a discernment in our life enough to have a sense of what Jesus is asking us to do, then we can't show up because it's not it's not show up to mass. Right. It's not. Now we should go to mass. I'm not saying, but. The laws of the church provide the stability and structure for the disciple, but it's not discipleship. Right. It's part of it. Yes. Yeah. And in Mass is the most important aspect of our relationship with Christ if we have a relationship with Christ. <laughs> if we don't, it's just something we're required to do and we do it, and that's fine. Right. But I guess what I'm saying is if we don't have a sense of what Jesus is asking us to do in my life personally, not through the law, not through what everybody's asked to do, but personally, then we can't show up to anything. Right. That's it. It's Paul George, Adam Conk, talking Art of Living. You're listening in. We're talking. We're looking at Scripture, talking about doubt, fear, worry, you know. And and so if if you're with me, like, okay, let's just acknowledge the fact that we all deal with this. So we're human. Like, we're imperfect. Like, we're going to face fears, worries, stress, anxieties, questions. These are things that we face. And I think mm. it's just owning it, right? And then what do we do with it? Now, I was thinking about this. I think there's two two reasons why we doubt okay so if we dig a little bit deeper into this hmm. um like what do we doubt like what you know what and why do we doubt i think the first one is this i doubt if i can actually do what's ahead ah so like, like doubting yourself like can i do this mm-hmm. okay can i do what god's asking me to do or what my vocation is calling me to do. Or, I love that. That's like the whole Bible. Or what my I mean, how many people did that? Job is asking <laughs> me to do. Yeah. So the first thing I doubt is can I do this? Yeah. Okay. So 
I, I remember the day I got married and the doors flew open uh, at the cathedral and the trumpet started playing and and my my future wife my fiance uh, was walking down the aisle in beautiful dress right now I showed up I I, mm-hmm. I worshipped I was there like I just knew like the first step to making this happen is I needed to show up now obviously a lot more is required you know you can't just show up and then expect to have a good marriage or whatever. well you showed up the months before to prepare for that moment. I did. Right? Yeah. But that day I showed up and I can honestly say like, <laughs> as she's walking down the aisle, like there was a thought that kind of went through my mind is not, do I love her? Not do I want to marry her? That Those, those were all questions that well, were very natural. The question that rolled to my mind is, Oh no, <laughs> can I do this? Yeah. Right. And that doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. It just meant that in my humanness, I started to fast forward, like, all the things ahead mm-hmm. and and I started to question can I do this we all face those things like yeah. can I do this absolutely you know can I do this can I be in a relationship with Jesus can I follow him can I do my job can I be a good husband or father like can I can I pray do this can I pray right mm-hmm. yeah so I mean I think all our issues with marriage or with faith you know, come back to one of these questions where our heart's divided in this question, can I do this? So here's here's the good news about this. All right, you ready? Uh, you can't and I can't do this. No one can. No one can. Okay? Like, this is the paradox of the, of the Christian life. This is the mm-hmm. paradox of living free in our vocation and what God's asking us to do. So no one can do it. We can't <laughs> do it on our own. Right. Like, look at all the people in the history of the world. Look at all the people who are in your life or friends you know or mm-hmm. people who are self-reliant constantly fail in life. Yeah. Yeah. And people who are faithful fail in life, but God pulls them through. Yep. And when stuff hits the fan, it's the faithful people that, not because they were success the whole time, not because they never failed, not because they never made mistakes, but because they're faithful to Jesus that people turn to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Scripture tells us I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So it's not me who gives me strength. It's not Adam who gives me strength. It's Jesus who gives me strength. Yep. Right? I can do the things that God's asking me to do, not because of me, but because Jesus living in me. There's a grace there. There's a relationship there that when I can't do things on my own, Jesus can do things through me. Like, I can love my wife and my kids when I don't feel like it and when I yep. can't, right? Like I can wake up and show up at work or show up here or do the things that I don't want to do that day, but I know I have to do because Christ gives me the strength. Well, I think to that's do it. great insight because I think some of us feel like hypocrites when our society tells us to follow your heart so much, right? Right. And everything's so emotional. Yeah. So that if we feel this tension, we think we're being inauthentic. Right. For example, if I feel the tension with my wife. Right. I think, man, if I don't like chew her out, I'm being inauthentic. No, you don't have to be a jerk, even if you feel upset with her. <laughs> right. Like, you're, the real you is you with Christ, you acting like him. You will have these tensions in yourself, but you do not have to express them to be authentic. Right. You don't have to side with the dubious self. No, you don't. And you don't have to follow your emotional mm-hmm. roller coaster. Like, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, somebody's just showing up and allowing God to do the rest. Yep. <laughs> like like that's that's the work that we need to do and I think for me a big shift in my life began to came come, you know, and I still struggle with this cuz I think it's it's the human element is I can't do this. Yeah. But God can. 
like and constantly reminding myself of that. All right, so when we come back, we're going to talk about this other I'm struggle uh, in the spiritual life with worship and doubt. And uh, yeah, yeah, this is good. And then we'll give a little a little solution to it. <gasps> it's Paul George, Adam Conk, Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Conk, talking art of living. Great to be with you. Dude. Dude. Honestly. So, fall's coming? Like, it's... Is it? It's here. Because I've been hearing about it, but it don't feel like it. Okay, so those <laughs> people who don't live in Louisiana, here's what you need to know. <laughs> There's a date for fall. Every every season has a date. Yeah. That, I don't know who set those dates, but they're in a calendar. Wait, is it today? So, it's like first day of fall first day of winter first day of spring first day of summer september october is fall i forget it's like october like the first weekend of october or something Mm -hmm. like that so we look at that fall date and and, we laugh and we laugh (laughs) in the face of fall (laughs) because it's still 90 degrees yeah Fall, fall and spring are like two to four weeks max around here so falls on the calendar, but falls not here, mm-hmm. right? So we kind of we're kind of dubious in our in <laughs> celebrating our fall. Like we have we have one we foot enjoy in, it, and but we doubt. Yeah, <laughs> the reality falls here, and and doubting that falls here <laughs> is the same. You're right because when it actually comes, like the first cool front, we can't believe it. Like we go around, like we evangelize people about fall, like. Can you feel this weather? Yeah. Is this real? I've actually had someone say, I can smell fall in the air. Like, hey, man, good for you, because <laughs> I can't feel it. So anyway, we've been talking, you know, about this word doubt. Yeah. You know, so if you're just tuning in, um, you know, the word doubt, dubitarian, we see this in Scripture, Matthew 28, verse 16. It says they worship and they doubted. You know, the disciples showed up. Uh to be dubious to, to two with a sense of two minds undecided between two things, you know. So one of the things we talked about is the the first thing that we doubt is, you know, can I do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's here's the second thing that I think would, would doubt is there. The second question that we ask is, will God come through for me? Mm-hmm. That That's... I think a question that we doubt, you know, can I do this? And then will God come through for me? And I think when the disciples were up on the mountain and Jesus says, Hey, show up. And then it says they worship and they doubted. And then they look up and he's floating into the sky. Mm-hmm. I think that they think if I'm anything like then in the human element, I think, okay, God, like, are you going to come through with all the promises that you said you were going to come through with? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I can imagine the discouragement, which you talked about earlier, the discouragement of walking down that mountain and Jesus had just left them. Yeah. There yeah. are times in the spiritual life and in our life, we're not going to feel Jesus. We're not going to 
you know what I'm saying? Like we're going to doubt and be in despair whether or not God will come through. And the closer we get to him, the more we imitate him. And let's not forget how, how Jesus lived and how he died. He died taking on the sins of the world yeah. and suffering in a way we can't understand. And um, and he didn't he didn't deserve any of it. No, not not one thing. Right. And those that get close to him experience this. Yeah. You know, experience the weight of the world's sin. Experience the disillusionment of everyone Jesus met was a sinner, and he knew their sins. Yeah. His whole life, like he didn't he didn't have like three to five friends that he could say I look up to them. That wasn't his experience. Now he did have close friendships, and he saw the good in people. I'm not saying he just saw everyone's sin only. What I am saying is the discouragement and the temptation of discouragement is not something Jesus didn't experience. He experienced that temptation to feel abandoned by God. God's not going to come through. This is what the devil said, right? If the Lord, if if you really are the son of God, jump off and he'll catch you, right? Yes. This temptation to doubt that he will actually catch me. Right. So one of the things I want to encourage people who are listening is we all experience this. Mm-hmm. Okay, we all experience doubt. We all question whether I can do something that God's asking or what's ahead or what I'm living in. And we all question and doubt whether God will come through. Yeah. I think at the end of the day when our will is said and done and and we hopefully make it into heaven, like we'll understand the full picture that God came through. You know, God said what he, he, he's going to do. He came through with it. But we're going to experience times in life and suffering where it's like, God, like, this is really hard right now. Like, I don't, will you come through? Like, we're really in a season of discernment and a season of transition. I lost my job, struggling with my marriage. You know, we're dealing with some suffering, some death, disease, all these things. Like, in in the human life and our human struggle with suffering, there will be times where you're like, God, are you going to come through? You're going to come through, right? Yep. And I think one of the things is, you know, when we're questioning whether or not God will come through, I think this is the the one important time where we should look to the past. Mm-hmm. And what I remember what 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 reminds me of that is the word remember. Like God constantly in scripture and in the Old Testament tells people to remember what he's done. Mm-hmm. Remember. So look back and see how I've come through and if you look at my pattern, you'll know that I'll come through again even though you doubt right now. Now no Every time, not every time, but a lot of times when I go in spiritual, my spiritual director is always reminding me of that. And I'm like, why are you doing this? He's like, just remember how God's moved in your life. He's going to do it again. It just might not feel that way right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, I mean, look at people in the Old Testament. God sent manna from heaven. You know, God sent, you know, water from a rock. Like God provided a way, a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. And every time they struggled in their faith and they, you know, they question, you know, God, where are you? you say, remember, remember mm-hmm. what I did. And they'd look back and be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And that's why, you know, celebrate the Passover, right, to remember what God had did to save the people out of slavery. Well, what do we do at every Mass? Yeah. Right? What is it? We remember. We remember. What are we remembering? The new Passover, Jesus Christ is... And our personal experience of that, I think, you know, and if we, if we hear the words of institution, the night before he suffered, he took bread. Yeah. And we just take that as like an historical detail. We need to see in that the night before he suffered for us, 
for us men and for our salvation. Right. And if we can't put our own story into that narrative, then we're not entering into the Mass in a way that's actually productive for our life. Yeah, so the new Passover, you know, the Passover in the Old Testament was the, the Israelites remembering what God had done and celebrating that at every Mass, the new Passover, mm-hmm. where we experience what? The passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the whole life. And so we remember what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do. Is done, will doing, and is done. I like it. Like this is the remembering. This is the remembering. And I think every time for me at mass, even when it's like, oh man, I didn't get the readings or the homily wasn't good. Like when when the host, when the when the priest holds up the host, like it's like, ah, oh, I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember. Like God's reminding me right now what life is all about. And this is very human. It's very human because every relationship is like this. Yes. I mean, you've probably given this advice to married couples a gazillion times, right? Here's the advice. At some point in your day, every day, connect in a meaningful way. With your spouse. How many times have you said that? Often, because why? We forget. <laughs> you need to remember mm. who she is. Yep. And who you are together. Yep. And it could take a glance. It doesn't have to take, you know, an hour date every morning, but like we glance at the Eucharist at Mass. Like you need to look at your wife, look at your husband, and remember who you are. I'm saying put the kids away and go on a date once a week. Mm-hmm. Look at each other across the table over coffee or a good dinner, and you will be reminded that you love this person, even mm-hmm. in the struggle, right? And and the faith life is just like that. That's why we go to prayer. That's why we go to mass to remember. And God reminds us over and over, even in the midst of our suffering. But you know we can't do this on our own. And God will come through. He's reminding us, but it's really through. What God, Jesus sends, you know, like when he ascends into heaven and disciples and, you know, the whole story begins to unfold. And, you know, you read in, in, in the beginning of Acts, like the early church is starting, you know, God says, you know, I will send the paraclete, you know, to empower you, mm-hmm. the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 2.8, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus sends himself, the love between the Father and the Son, to live inside of us, the Holy Spirit, to move us forward in life. Yeah. And this memory, as Jesus promised, in giving the Holy Spirit, even the remembering is not dependent on our human memory. And this is, this is what people need to know about the indwelling of the Spirit in their life. Okay. The Holy Spirit comes to us to do in us what we could not possibly do ourselves. God lives in us, in our memory, in our intellect, in our will, in our emotions. Like God lives in all of that. And he's there to remind us of who Christ is. That's his role. Yep. Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit uh, to convict you, right? And to call to mind that which I've taught you. That's the Holy Spirit's role. And if I'm not in touch with this presence of God in my life and every aspect of my being, every fiber of who I am, then I'm, I'm missing the invitation of Christ to really live with him. Because the only way I live with Christ is in the Holy Spirit. Like, this makes it possible. Absolutely. Paul George, Adam Kong, Art of Living. We'll be right back. We're going to do something we haven't done in a while. <gasps> Boom. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, 
Solidarity HealthShares members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George and Adam Conk in studios. Talking about More than one studio, baby. Studios, because I'm actually staring through this glass thing, and there is another studio, and then across the hall there's another one. Yep. We're grateful for Delta Media. Very grateful. Here in Lafayette, Louisiana, which has a lot of radio stations, and then Catholic Radio for Acadiana has its own little nook. We're part of it. And cranny. We're here, here in the world. Yep. You know it's a legit studio when you have thick glass between you and the next room? Yep. Like, that is legit. It is legit. So anyway, <laughs> dude... How about what we haven't done in a while? Six pack of questions. Question. Wow. I love that sound. It has been a while. Yeah, it has been. So forgive the rust, but I think we can handle this. All right. So question number one. Paul, was there any teaching of the church that you were hesitant to believe in the history of your life that you doubted? Um... Teaching of the church? Yep. I mean, I think of come with phase. I think, you know, the, the teaching of the Eucharist for me took a while because mm-hmm. there's just a lot of faith in that. I mean, but as you learn and study, you know, so faith and reason kind of come together. You know, the, the mystery of the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, you know, it's like, whoa, okay. Um, yeah, I think for me, like the thing that I probably struggle with the most is just the human side of me. Like when I feel like I'm not thriving in my faith, there must be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we talked about today, just how the disciples showed up, but they worshiped. And it, it's just taking all of what's going inside of me, all the questions that I'm having, whether it be theological questions or just life, tough life questions or struggles, it's just placing them in the hands of Jesus. That's worship. That's authentic worship. You know, we don't put those aside and pray. We pray with that. And we we allow Jesus to enter into our mess, not, hey, let me deal with my mess, and then I'll worship God. Right on. Question number two. We talked about memory a bit. I want to get to know your memory. Okay. You seem to have a pretty good one. I mean, I've spent some time with you. Depends on... I have selective memory. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> well, dude. Well, that's the question. I'm a guy. What do you find it hard to remember? What I, I find hard to remember... Hmm. So I am really bad at movie titles, <laughs> band names, like names of things, but I remember experiences. Like I can remember, mm-hmm. like if you sang a song or it would remind me, um, you know, or, you know, if I can remember movie lines, but I can't remember the movie it's from, you know, so it's like this weird, you know, selective memory. I remember faces and I remember things about people, but I I won't always remember someone's name. Mm-hmm. So like I ran into this guy in Houston this past weekend who I met like a year ago, one time, right? Yeah. Didn't know his name, but I was like, you're from Georgia hey and you do this for a job. He's like, how did you remember? I was like, eh, but can you tell me your name? <laughs> it was like, yeah. Well, people share names. I mean, if his name was Scott, how many Scots have you met? Right? A few, yeah. But if they're from Georgia and do this job, I-, I could see that, Paul. That makes sense. Yeah. Question number three. Okay. So let's say someone is struggling with this self-doubt thing. 
right? Like regularly. Mm-hmm. Maybe at work every day they're afraid they can't do something. Maybe when they go to pray, whatever. How do you, when you work with people, like how do you encourage a health, a healthy self confidence yep. that doesn't turn into kind of being arrogant or, you know, self reliant? I think every time we're arrogant and self reliant, something happens to us that humbles us. You know, and they were like, mm. "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm reminded, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm really an idiot on my own. I need something more. I need God. I think for people who struggle with doubt and, you know, things, I think it's important. Like we were talking about early in the show, is what's underneath all that? Like, what is you know that causes you to fear or be over anxious or over worried? So if if it's like overkill, like it's really consuming your life, like don't be afraid to dig down and say, "Well, why?" You know, well maybe I you know, have these experiences in my life where I'm really protective or, you know, I'm neglected or, you know, and it's okay to dig deep and really pray with those deep things that maybe are underlying there. Talk to someone or get some spiritual direction or counseling or go to confession. I think those are important. So the self-knowledge really helps us to uncover that and then asking Jesus to journey with us through it. Cool. Question four is related. Okay. So we talked about Self-reliant people, you just mentioned uh, things will happen that will humble us, that kind of thing. Yeah. What is the difference between a strong disciple who has this presence of strength, but it comes from Christ, and the strength that appears when someone's simply cocky or confident like that? Like, what is the difference? I think people who are overconfident and cocky, really underneath it, there's a deep insecurity. Mm. So the root is insecurity, uh, and it's just coming across as I have it all together. Um, I think a disciple is very self-aware. They're self-aware of their weaknesses. St. Paul talked about it. He's like, I got a thorn in my side, guys. Uh, it's not going anywhere. I'm going to be really honest about it. And I'm still going to follow Jesus every day. I'm going to wake up and follow Jesus every day. So I think it's not, it's not you know, overkill on that, but it's definitely a self-awareness of like, yeah, there's things in my life that, like Jesus is still working on and I'm clinging to him and I'm showing up every day and I'm going to, I'm going to have an active prayer life and faith life and committed. And I'm going to, I'm going to struggle, but I'm going to let Jesus carry me through it. And I think there's a certain confidence in that, that you can have like just, and it's called faith. That's it. It's just, I know God's coming through for me and I know I can't do it on my own. Right on. Question number five. So, we talked about the ascension where Jesus went up into heaven. I'd love to be there for that. Apparently it happened on a mountain. Yeah. So my question is about mountains. Mountains were important in Scripture. Well, I want to know how important they are to you. So God showed up on what mountains. Was your, when I say mountain, mountain, what do you think of? Like what experience, talk about experiences, what mountain have you been to that really, like, wow. Yeah, I wrote about this in my book. Um, as a chapter that starts off on, you know, when I was 19, I grew up in Louisiana, I'd never seen snow, and my cousin and I went on the ski trip to Lake Tahoe, some of the highest mountains in the country, the Rockies, and dude, life-changing experience of like being on top of that mountain and seeing beauty in that way that I'd never seen before. It was a really God moment for me, and uh, not the only one, but like it was really powerful. Mm-hmm. There was something about being on the mountain, yeah. you know, honestly. And really experiencing the presence of God in nature and, and being up there. So that that was really cool. I, something to see. Like, you've never seen mountains. It's quite majestic as far as, like, God can do this? Yeah. 
to go see a mountain. Mm-hmm. All right, question number six. So we may have put some of our listeners into a vicious cycle. Okay. With the two types of doubt. Doubt in yourself, doubt if God will provide. Because mm-hmm. let's say I have both of those. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think God will provide. Oh, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Oh, there's something wrong with me. God won't provide yep. for me. So it's like, all right, so let's say we're in that situation. Yep. Give me a top do and don't to get out of this like anxiety, doubt, worry, I think funk. the top do is to to talk about it, talk it out with a friend, spiritual director, and then pray with it and allow God to just enter into that, okay? The top don't is don't just sit sit in it and let it fester and grow. Uh, don't let it grow into like negativity and just bringing you down. Like I was at the bank the other day and the weather was bad and a woman came up next to me at the, the little teller desk next to me and you know the, the, the teller was like, hey, the weather's bad, it, it's a bad day. And the woman literally said that she goes, every day is bad. Oof. You know, and I was just like, it hit me. I was like, I don't ever want to sound like that. But this is what can happen. Like when we sit in doubt and worry and don't do anything about it, it just festers and it grows. Mm. And we know those types of people and we don't want to be those types of people. So it's important to talk about it, ask Jesus to enter into it, and then just move forward. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep moving forward. And God's going to come through. Sweet. Yeah. Well, there's your six-pack. So anyway, great show, man. You can find the show on pod, podcast, discovertheartofliving.com, um, on the radio. Uh, thanks, Adam, for, for making this show happen. And uh, you can get the book, Rethink Happiness, um, on Amazon or wherever you want to go. It's it's out there. Lots of things happening. So, uh, yeah, enjoy the podcast. Share it with people. And hopefully today you'll move through your doubt and faith. Jesus will come through. Paul George, i